Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to The Social Circus, where every week we dive into a variety of topics covering social media, mindset, and how to run your business. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to another episode of The Social Circus. This week, I've got a very special guest, my dear friend, Alicia Minkveld. Now, Alicia runs a business called Savvy in Business, and she teaches women how to get paid daily by using simple strategies to sell with confidence, create repeat business and scale in a smart, sustainable way. She has 22 years training consulting experience and has a reputation for quickly producing results and inspiring women to take brave action. She offers coaching, consulting and training packages to help you build your bank account daily. Woo! Welcome, Alicia. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So I should just have a little caveat and say, um, Alicia is a very close personal friend as well as being a client of mine. So I am very honored to have her here today. And I'm thrilled to be talking to her about a topic that's very close to my heart, sales. And I'm super excited to be here today, Sarah, because this is my very first podcast interview. Yay! <laughs> I love that you've admitted that because I feel that's really brave. And sometimes we pretend that we're so experienced in everything and, and sometimes we're just new. So thanks for sharing. So Alicia, um, into, I know that was a beautiful bio that I just read about you, but um, being your friend, I wanted to kind of say, I think you have such an interesting story and journey. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up started, you know, running your own business. So I guess I need to start at the beginning, which is I'm originally qualified as a teacher. Uh, Although I never wanted to be a teacher, that was my mother's dream. (laughs) I actually wanted to be a journalist. And I also wanted to be, in the old days, they used to be called uh, aerospace. Um, These days it's called cabin crew. But (laughs) yes, that was my dream. I wanted to go and study to be a journalist and... um, and just, you know, take a year or two out and be an aerostase. And so that was sort of in the 90s. Unfortunately, neither of those ideas uh, fly or flew <laughs> with my mom. <laughs> you also uh, have a she, very strong mother like I do. <laughs> as she felt that uh, none of those things are actually real jobs and that you can get paid properly for for any of those sort of things so it was her dream to always be a teacher and therefore um i was sort of let's call it guided slash pushed into becoming (laughs) a teacher um as an act of rebellion uh when i finished studying i refused to apply for any teaching jobs but living in a small town in south africa where everyone knows everyone i didn't have to worry about that because my mom actually organized my first teaching job for me (laughs) in the school where my brother was in year 12. oh no (laughs) and it was an all boys school oh that's Um, hilarious Let me tell you, those boys ate me for breakfast. Um, so I was teaching English as a second language. Um, and then as another act of rebellion, um, after I finished that year, I actually decided to go with my boyfriend to the UK on a two-year working holiday visa. Um, and uh, that was to teach. But there I could earn in a week what I used to earn in a month in South Africa. So it was a big difference. Wow. My parents didn't speak to me the last month before I left, but uh, (laughs) I was determined. (laughs) And I really wanted to be anything but a teacher. And so uh, for myself, what happened was is I qualified as a travel agent. I did a- Well, that would have been inappropriate as well, I imagine. (laughs) Totally. But let me see 
the theme. There was a theme of I want to travel and do exciting things. <laughs> and so there I um, continued my studies in marketing, advertising, um, and I was really prepared to do anything but teaching. And so at the end of my two-year working holiday visa, the company that I was teaching for approached me and said that they wanted to uh, start a franchise business in South Africa where we recruit teachers for um, the UK. And for me, that was like amazing. So I just jumped on that. Um, and that was actually my first business opportunity that I then started in the year 2000. Which wow, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um, and then from there, I um, actually started training people because they needed some sort of background about what it's like to teach in schools in the UK. And um, I actually started going to universities and present presentations there. Uh, to recruit teachers to go over to the UK. Wow. And after that, I joined a corporate recruitment company, did that for a year or two, and then I moved willingly into the corporate uh, company's training department. So uh, again, all of a sudden, I was training managers, I was um, onboarding new recruits for, for them, and I finally actually figured out that I love training. I just didn't enjoy teaching kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you you are so seasoned as a trainer and you've kind of focused and, and niched yourself into understanding and helping people with sales, which I think is very close to my heart as a marketer. And um, I love that you have so much experience in that. So what kind of, is that just an area of training that you seem to really enjoy or you felt like, well, all success hinges on sales or what sort of led you into that space? Well, I guess that's where I was introduced. I mean, if you work in a corporate recruitment company, everything is about sales. So it's about hitting uh, quotas for cold calling every day. It's about um, making connections every day. It's about submitting a, an amount of candidates and CVs every single day. Um, to be very honest with you, I did not like um, and enjoy that um, that aspect of sales. Um, it was still very old boys club type sales and very mm -hmm. hardcore. Um, it wasn't very big on connection, building relationships, um, actually being authentic with the people that you speak to. It was more about maybe using some manipulative tactics to actually uh, get a client to say yes, to do business with you. Um, and really none of that actually sat well with me. And so when I started my small business here in Australia, um, I just realized that um, I actually have a skill uh, that I have learned over the years, which is um, I'm, I'm quite uh, good at business. I've learned a lot about business, but I also have a good training uh, skill and I know actually a lot about sales. And what I realized is that there's so many and I'm going to say here, especially women that do not know what their numbers are like. They are scared of scale uh, sales. They tell me that it feels icky. It feels pushy, um, you know, and it's they don't want to force themselves on, on anyone. And what I've realized is that I actually have the opportunity here to um, to make to well, to set some of the wrongs of the past right um, now, because for me, relationships um, is really where sales are at relationships, connection, um, and just building a, you know, a bond with the person and, and actually seeing if, uh, if you can help them. Oh, I love it. It's like music to my ears because I came like you through corporate where it's a very masculine environment and sales was, it was done in a very masculine way that felt, I think feels very uncomfortable for us. And, and I would agree with you that as women, we're often really reluctant to talk about sales. We're reluctant to talk about money. 
Um, and it's really hard to run a business without those two things. So I'm so excited to talk to you today about sales because um, I'm always surprised when I'm coaching clients and I ask them to tell me their numbers and we talk about things and what's your best selling product or service that quite often people are really far away from their numbers, which is really at the starting point for sales. So if I, um, if I'm sitting listening to this podcast right now and thinking, oh, I don't like sales, um, where's a good place to start if we want to uncover how we can do sales better in our business? Well, I would always start with what do I already have? So mm. what are the products and services that I already have? What um, am I pricing that at? Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually having a look at whether they are uh, profitable to deliver or not. Um, now, this initially might sound very scary, but there's you know, very easy um, things that you could do to just check that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the key things would be uh, to track actually your time when you start working on a new project. So whether you are a web developer, a graphic designer, a copywriter, you know, uh, a coach, a consultant, how long does things actually take you to do? Um, and then from there, if you have a look at how many hours it takes you, for instance, to develop a logo package and you look at what you charge, um, you can actually make the sum and see am I actually being profitable on this uh, product or service that I'm delivering? Uh, one of the other key things that I want to focus on for today would be to to say, please stop focusing on getting new leads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I know this is your business. Um, oh, it's part of my business. <laughs> but um, I feel that I'm pretty convinced that I can um, convince you uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm converted. It's okay. <laughs> Can I dial us back a bit before we start on talking about um, who's already in our business sure. and um, just discuss in terms of looking at what we already have. And this is a question because pricing is something that just nobody teaches very well. And it's so yeah. interesting to hear you talk about the really simple thing of tracking your time. But a question for you, when we do activities like, for example, if we, uh, let's let's use the graphic designer example that you used. Um, if I, if it takes me five hours to do a logo and a charge $500 my hourly rates $500 an hour really simple mess but if I spend a lot of time like I say I do um, a zoom meeting with the client and I do lots of emails back and forward do I put that time in there as well or is that that's my general admin time what what are your thoughts for me that's an absolutely yes mm-hmm. uh, so personally I I feel that if you have to travel to a client for a meeting, um, it would be travel time there and back. It would certainly be the, um, whether that's an online meeting or in-person meeting, the time that you spent in the meeting, the prep that you've done for the meeting, that would include little things like preparing the files for the person, uh, um, literally everything. Uh, Because the question I normally use as a rule of thumb is, is would I have done this activity if I didn't if I wasn't working on this client project. And so if the answer is I'm doing this to finish a client project or to be able to work on a client project, to me, that belongs um, as part of the project cost. 
of time. Oh, that's that's such a good tip, Alicia, in terms of would I be doing this? Because um, there's a lot of things that we do in our business that we often think of are what we would call non-billable hours, or but they, if they're part of a project, they're part of your time tracking. And I think that when we are service-based businesses, um, our time is our money. And if we're not doing that well, it's really easy to be busy and not be making money. Totally. Um, and, and you said it, Sarah, uh, I mean, unless you are selling something in your business, you don't actually have a business. Yeah. And I think that's the brutal reality of sales. And I, I'm so thrilled to be having this conversation today because I am a passionate marketer, but all marketing, the, the object of every single marketing activity is to make a sale. <laughs> so you and I sit side by side. <laughs> so let's talk about not getting new leads because that is something people always say to me is, I don't have enough customers coming into my business. And um, I, I defer to your expertise on this every day of the week because my job in marketing is to generate leads. That's what I teach and that's what people come to me for. But the reality of it is, if people did a better job working with you, they wouldn't necessarily need me. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I actually disagree on that. In on a, Do you reckon we need a, both? <laughs> you totally need both. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It's because I didn't know you that I actually, in the beginning, when I started my business year, um, that's actually why I had to get good at sales because I had so few leads coming in that I really had to optimize and really make the most of every lead that came in. Maybe... I would have never ended up here today if I had you from the beginning <laughs> because then I would have just had like a multitude of leads falling in, uh, you know, into my business every single day. But no, um, jokes aside, I definitely do believe that you need both. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely do need quality leads coming in on a regular basis. And then it's also about what do you now do with all of those leads? Yes. Um, and, and that's the part where I come in. And I was going to say, because we had a chat yesterday when we were working together and you have some really interesting statistics on what does it take to generate a new lead compared to upselling or converting an existing lead. And I can't remember what that was. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but it's a lot more work to get new leads, isn't it? <laughs> well, yes, it, it's, a, it's a lot more work. Um, so uh, the, the research actually shows us that um, it's five times more expensive to get a new customer than focusing on your existing customers. Wow. Um, the research research also shows that um, selling to your existing customers has a 60 to 70 percent success rate versus only a five to 20 percent success rates when you when you sell to new customers. Um, wow. <laughs> you do not want to have a 60 to 70 percent chance of selling something versus only five to 20 percent. That's um, a huge difference. The shocking stat, however, is that only only 18% of companies focus on uh, keeping their customers. Um, wow. And that is sort of confirming what I'm seeing with small business owners, which is everybody is obsessed about getting new leads and nobody really cares about what happened to the leads that I got in the last three months or the last six months or the last year. That's so true. And it's, um, it's, it's really tempting, particularly with things like advertising, which can make your cost per acquisition on a lead quite low, to be really focused in on that and not actually doing a good job of nurturing, converting people who've already come into your business. So from your perspective, because I guess everyone always tunes in for some little simple tips, um, if I've got a nice business and I'm nice and busy, but I think I knew, need new leads, but really I've done nothing to look at my existing customers, what's a good place to start with that? Oh, follow up. <laughs> <laughs> 
No one wants to do that. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> uh, but um, I actually call it a leaky business bucket. And you mm -hmm. need to see where are you losing uh, traffic, which is the part that you obviously help people with. But where are you, you losing leads and where are you losing sales and where are you losing repeat business um, in your business? So if you can imagine a bucket holding water, but the bucket is you know, full of holes, um, that is the leaky business bucket concept. So you need to focus on those four areas. Um, and one of the easiest areas that people do not want to do, as you just mentioned, is follow up. And mm. there's a saying, um, fortune is in the follow up. And honestly, it truly is. So uh, for the listeners out there, uh, have a quick think for yourself. And when was the last time that you followed up with everyone that made an inquiry to your business in, let's say, the last six months. Ooh. And so when we <laughs> There'd be some awkward pauses for our listeners, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I say everybody that made an, an inquiry, that could be via your website, it could be via uh, direct messages in social media, it could be from you attending a networking event to having spoken to someone. It could be somebody, uh, a friend that referred someone to you or somebody that just sent you an email. If you have to go back today and you have to think about where did I, like what happened to all the leads that came in, let's say from January this year until today, that's eight months. How many times did you actually follow up with those? Oh, that's a really tough question and something that I think um, we'd feel quite awkward actually answering because I know even in my business, I'm not fabulous at that. So um, such a juicy, juicy tip. And what are some other thoughts on how I can do a better job of taking care of those leads? Well, uh, the second question would be, how are you qualifying your leads, if at all? Um, so it's one thing to get a whole bunch of leads into your business. It's a completely different thing to actually work with the people that light us up and that allows us to do our best work. And so do you have a couple of questions that you normally ask people um, before you decide that, that, that you actually want to work with them? And so these could be, uh, yes, it could certainly be things like budget that could be included in that. Uh, it could be, are you the final decision maker or do you need to discuss this with a spouse before you can maybe invest in a coaching package? Um, it's also little things um, like how important is it for this person to engage you right now? So, you know, is this a nice to have for your business at the moment or is it actually um, a necessity to have in your business right now? Um, I've got a heap of questions that you could ask more, uh, you know, to, to your client. I have to say, Alicia, you make it sound so easy. And I know <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to you talk going, oh, so good, so good. And in my heart, I'm like, oh, I'm so scared. And um, I think the thing is that it feels terrifying to pick up a phone and it feels really scary um, to kind of do that kind of first contact and that we often call it cold calling. And in truth, if someone's made an inquiry, it's not really, is it? Oh no! I mean, I would I would like to um, to put a even a bet on it. Um, that, that's how certain I am of it because I work with small business owners every single day. Uh, that nine times, I would actually say nine and a half times out of ten, it's never a cold lead. So mm. we 
people get this idea that sales is sleazy and pushy um, and icky. All of those ideas come from the fact that we do get spam callers calling us out of the blue in the middle of a day. We don't know them from a bar of soap and they are trying to sell us something. But if you really think about your business in a, right now today, how many times have you ever called a stranger and tried to sell them something? The answer is probably never. I was okay. thinking probably never. <laughs> probably never. And that's why I want to change this perception. And for me, it's all about the connection. It's about the conversation that I'm having with the person. And really for me, sales is about really listening. It's about mm. asking good questions and then listening to what the other person is saying. And me personally, I would never force uh, any sort of solution onto you. For me, mm. I try and position myself as a trusted advisor. And when I go into that conversation, it's all about finding out what your needs are, what do you need? And if I happen to have something, you know, that can potentially help you, I will get your permission to tell you about it. But if I'm not the right person, then I'm totally open to let you go and to actually, um, you know, recommend you or refer you to other people that can, that would be a better fit for you. And I guess once we make that shift in our heads that we're only having a conversation, we're asking questions, we're really listening to the other person to try and understand them in, instead of trying to sell them something, I, I guess that's when everything changes. Oh, and I love, I, I do have to say, Alicia, you make it sound so easy <laughs> and you make me think, oh, I can do that. And then in my heart, I'm still a little bit terrified, but I do like your change in perception from, um, I don't actually have to be selling and I can ring up and have a conversation. And, um, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm such a confident person and I dread it. If someone rings and says, I wanted to ask you a question, I actually dread ringing them back. So I'm like, are they going to ask me a question about working with me? <laughs> That's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's human. Um, I guess uh, the, the key thing here is that we are in business to try and help people. I mean, mm. you've spoken to many business owners yourselves. Why do we go into business? We want to make an impact. We want to earn our own money. We want to be there for our families. And we want to help people. That's, that's normally, I would say, the top four reasons. Is there anything else that comes to mind for you? No, they're all great reasons. <laughs> yeah, and that's normally what people say. But yes. But it, you say that you want to help people but you refuse to have a conversation with someone then how is that helping oh such good reframes such good reframes <laughs> oh look at least i think you and i could talk all day and i'm kind of tempted to get you on just to back to talk about pricing because i think it's such a important topic and um i've loved chatting with you today and um I wanted to wrap up and just say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom so generously and um, for making us all think about sales and and reframing how we address it because it is so important in our business and I feel like as women and female entrepreneurs it's really important that we step out of the shadows and own and claim what's important to our business. I totally agree. Thank you so much for having me today and, and if I can leave you with one thing it's really about Next time you want to uh, follow up with somebody, just think about it as literally just having a conversation with the person, checking in with them. Hi, how are you? What are you currently working on? Uh, you know, is there anything I can help you with? Uh, but really going in with the intention of helping and not selling. 
Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. So to all my listeners out there, um, in the show notes will be how you can get in touch with Alicia. She does have a couple of amazing um, free eBooks that I'll put the links into the show notes as well. So you can help start those really great conversations. Um, And final thanks again to Alicia. And thank you for tuning in to the Social Circus again. And I'll catch you the same time next week. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Thanks Thanks so much for tuning in to The Social Circus. As your host, Sarah Thompson, I am thrilled that you've chosen to spend your time hanging out with me. I would be so grateful if you could spare an extra moment to go and leave me a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you even felt more excited, you could share my podcast with your friends who you think would get great value from it. Thanks so much again for tuning in.